Welcome to another episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. Nice one. Heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Hi, Fran. Hey, girl. How you doing? I'm good. Oh, here we are, Melissa and Fran, for another episode of Municipal Mania. Municipal Waste. What? <laughs> no, thank we you. We are going to talk about that, actually. Oh, yeah, we are going to talk about municipal waste today. It's nice to be back again for another week. Yes, uh, the weather's changing. It you is. know, me and Melissa are moving like sloths. We are, and we're also, <laughs> you might hear a whole lot of. <clears throat> uh huh. Yep. Ragweeds in the air. I know, we're both anemic and, you know, all this. Uh, <laughs> we're doing really well, but we're really happy to be here with we're, you all. We're alive, but barely. <sighs> barely. But at least today, um, it's nice to see a friendly face in the studio. Yes, we got Mr. 6-1. (laughs) Yes, I'm still 6-1, unfortunately. (laughs) But I'm back. Thanks for having me. Well, tell people who you are so they know. So for those of you all who don't know me, my name is Mr. 6-1. I'm Tykeen Cooper, and um, I think I'm the only person on my Twitter That grew a whole inch in their 30th year. I can't. Goodbye. (laughs) I can't. How's the weather up there? And so. uh, I'm really impressed with that phenomenon. Right? (laughs) Hey, I prayed for this inch. Oh, here we go. (laughs) A blessed inch. Here we go. Here we go. I can't. So put some respect on it, please. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Here we go. It's going to be that kind of episode. Yep. 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 But we're we're glad to have you. Why are you qualified oh. to be here? Yeah, exactly. Why am I qualified to be here? Uh-huh. And it don't have nothing to do with your extra inch. I like to think that I'm a friend of a few shows here, WRIR. That's uh-huh. true. Uh-huh. And uh, so by day, I run an education nonprofit, education advocacy organization where we train students and parents to not only have a seat at the table, but to actually engage around education policy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've been involved in the political sphere for the past 20 years. So mm-hmm. so you started when you were two. Okay, got it. Earlier. <laughs> so, you know, it's rude to, to, to ask a man his age, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, come on. But not his height. So, right. <laughs> so y'all know I'm a womanist, right? So like I, I expect you all to like you know put some respect on this and like you know reciprocity. Not he's a womanist. Um, yeah. Somebody come get him. <laughs> oh, I can't. But no, I'm I'm 31, so I, I started when I was 11. That's deep. That's so deep did right I there. though. I started yeah. watching City Council when I was 11. Mm-hmm. I feel you. It's deep. Well, if you if you guys look. I think around at most of a lot of the quiet, I'll say this, we're going we're gonna to claim you as a quiet uh, contributor to community activism because you're not out in the street, like really shouting, but you're getting the work done behind the scenes. So we'll, we'll claim you as a quiet activist. Well, I mean, I'm kind of taking offense to that. Are, are you taking <laughs> shots? Like, I'm not here taking we are shots. three minutes into the show. Like, I'm not taking shots. I'm just saying. I'm just going to be over here drawing this unicorn. <laughs> there's different type. There's different <laughs> types of, of, of advocacy. And a lot of people, you know, have to have their name on everything and be out there and be loud and be heard. And sometimes it's the work behind closed doors that, you know, gets the stuff done. And so I think I would agree that you were one of those people that does a lot more moving than you do shaking. Oh, well, 
Well, thank you for that, friend. Um, <laughs> the no, truth, of, no the, shots. The the truth of the matter is, I think we need a combination of both, right? We do. We do. We Everybody need, has. We a need that proverbial table. person that's outside throwing rocks and raising cane, and we need at folks, windows, not at people. Right, <laughs> please at windows. And we also need folks who kind of behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. I think we have to find creative ways to bridge that gap and work together. Mm-hmm. That's how Next. we aren't creating tension, even though we may not always agree. Like, I definitely see the value in what other people are doing. And mm-hmm. hopefully they reciprocate it. So, so just like I said earlier, I'm a womanist and, you know, I, I'm trying to be here for you. I, I hope that you can reciprocate <laughs> that for me. Oh, God, here you go. I can't. But yes, I, I, I would agree. A lot of the activists that have been in this for a long time that have gotten to a different stage. I think everybody has different stages in their in their advocacy. And the people who started out as we little young grasshoppers, mm-hmm. you know, they're at this point now where they're they're into policy now. They're into, you know, the getting stuff done, you know, on the on the inside. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that you're here. Welcome. We always again. appreciate you. Um, thank you all for having me. But we're this gonna, is time number two, right? I think so. Yeah. Yes. We need to have a. Um. You know what? When people get the five timers club, we need to have a little blazer like they do on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> a blazer. <laughs> a whole blazer, Melissa. A whole, yes. whole blazer. I'm struggling to give us RV8 dirt like <laughs> merch, and she's like, "We're giving cats blazers today." <laughs> I don't think she meant give. I think she just meant like for a picture. It's just for a picture. Okay. No, I'm not, no, you can't. It's one blazer. Oh, one blazer. One size fits all. So that's gonna be a wild picture. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, the reason that Melissa was pulling your teeth to get you to talk about what you do is it's very related to what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about funding and all especially alternative funding for kids sometimes as it relates to education not always though but funding in general that kind of helps in the community and we have lots of spaces and places in our community already that do a lot of this work but we also have many gaps still so let's kind of talk about that you went somewhere not too long ago and y'all legit talked about this very thing tell us about where you went and what it was in september i traveled to denver um, so it's still September, so a few weeks ago. <laughs> I traveled to Denver for the Children's Funding Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a two-day conference, and there were localities from around the country represented. And they talked about alternative funding specifically for kids, and they hyper-focused on the zero to five. And the truth of the matter is a lot of the options that were presented to us at the conference aren't suitable for Virginia. Right, uh, because of the Dylan rule. Dylan. I, I think I was I was in definitely inspired by some of the work that people are doing around the country. And there are a few things that we can do here in the city and around the Commonwealth. But it's still going to take a lot of work and some help with the General Assembly because of the Dylan rule. So right. do you know what the Dylan rule is? Of course. Everybody knows that listens to our show what the Dylan rule is because we talk about it all the time. OK, well, educate me. You don't know what the Dylan rule is? I'm asking you. So in a, to, to not go through an entire diatribe about the Dillon rule, basically what makes us different in Virginia is that we are governed under a centralized rule that before we can create new streams of revenue, new taxes, new... Basically all decisions. We can't even... Yeah, just, everything really. We are hamstrung in decision making at a, at a local level by the state government. Yeah, by the state e- government. Even down to like, we have town council elections back home. Mm-hmm in may 
and literally some of those counselors get 20 votes mm. because they're how their districts are drawn they have a high representation of students mm. students are having exams or they're moving right they're by gone. that time but like we can't move that council election which costs us as taxpayers yeah. thousands of dollars every other year mm-hmm. without explicit permission from the general assembly right yeah. which you ain't gonna get and yeah. that's why we don't have control over the monuments etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. why when we were proposing tobacco taxes we couldn't yeah. tax things that are of the smoking realm but, but not, not tobacco. tobacco right yeah so part of it i think from a historical perspective the dylan rule was implemented in virginia and around the country specifically in the south because they wanted to minimize the impact of black electeds in local office absolutely and so this was kind of like big brother looking over the shoulders and okay you can't do this without our permission Mm -hmm. and this is how we basically undermine black leadership in in terms of elected officials and especially when during that time we also had a great influx of that was in the time of the new negro when you had a lot of black people that were educated and were seeking political office in great and probably the greatest numbers that the country had ever seen and so that was a direct response to Mm-mm, we good we don't want y'all doing that and now you know even though we still have the dylan rule enacted we still have people and institutions doing the same thing a demon of another name. Yeah, I mean, that's another whole nother show. <laughs> there, there's literally no logical reason for us to maintain the Dylan rule Mm-mm. in 2019, right? Yeah. Um, and so, even if we look at like House Bill Two in North mm-hmm. Carolina, that was really a Dylan rule issue because Charlotte City Council right passed that package, which it just wasn't about bathrooms. You know, they raised. Uh, minimum wage they made sexual orientation a protected class but they didn't have permission from their state legislature to do it yeah um, and so that's why the state legislature reversed it reversed what the city council did there's really no excuse for it in 2019 and i'm hoping that in 2020 session that maybe this is something that begins to come up i haven't heard a lot of momentum about changing us from a dylan rule state mm-hmm. but Hopefully we can start having the conversation. That's out of my bandwidth, <laughs> but it's definitely something that we need to look at in Virginia. Yeah, there we have a long ways to go in in terms of policy like that. It's the Virginia way, <sighs> right? Like, oh. <laughs> it, it's the Virginia way. Like we've always done it this way. Like yeah. why do we need to change it now? <sighs> Love being stuck in the past. Yeah, it's nothing so like it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say we didn't have the Dylan Rule. What were some of the things that other places or some of those projects that were being presented that they were talking about that would present. Tell us about all the wonderful things we can't have. Right. (laughs) Okay. So in short, uh, in Richmond, our local contribution, zero to five, uh, leaves much to be desired. Mm -hmm. And so how places around the country are kind of filling this gap, a number of them are implementing special taxes. Mm -hmm. They're raising sales taxes, which is actually something that we can do in Richmond. Mm -hmm. Richmond has one of the lowest sales taxes in the Commonwealth. We're way behind, actually. Yeah, because Hampton Roads raised their sales taxes for transportation. Yeah. Um, Cannabis 
a number of localities around uh, the country. They're using, well, not around the country, but specifically California and Colorado. And I think there were a few places in Texas. And so Colorado, they don't just give that money to schools. It's interesting how they cap it because they don't cap it at a percentage. They cap it at a dollar amount. And right now that dollar amount is $40 million. And it's only, it only goes to capital projects in the state of Colorado. San Antonio uh, Mayor Castro, who's presidential candidate, mm-hmm. um, they started pre-K for SA. Oh, wow. And uh, universal pre-K for all residents in San Antonio. And that was a really big thing. So, you know, that that's a need we have here in Richmond. Mm-hmm. And I'd argue from from my research that, you know, early childhood education can be a great starting point for for turning around Richmond Public Schools as well. And so what I've noticed here in Richmond, we can't just these things aren't mutually exclusive. And so we can't say, oh, we're just going to fix like we aren't going to look at early childhood education until we fix Richmond Public Schools. Like we have to do both. No, we need to do it at the same time. And I think that's how progress will really perpetuate itself in the city like so we can't put these things against each other like Mm -hmm. we have to find ways to be inclusive and and what's really going to come down it's going to have to be advocacy and i think that's a touchy subject here in the city and around the commonwealth people want results but oftentimes people don't want to put in the work to get the results yeah and i think too that's another part of a lot of the research that goes into early childhood development from that zero to five sure is passed over a lot because people say well we have head start <laughs> or vpi and- right and that doesn't cover everything it leaves much to be desired in terms of availability programming and a local contribution right yeah like- yeah yeah so there and, and that's, or lack thereof i was going to say yeah the, the lack thereof there, that's one of the areas that i think the city really struggles in specifically richmond because we don't have nearly as many spaces available you know in that just one particular program just with head start but it's very crucial and there's plenty of research but i think like you said you've got to get people to buy in to the advocacy there's tons of research that shows if you can't read by third grade you're in trouble yeah and i I think we also have to look at you know capital cities have in cities with a lot of state-owned property, mm-hmm. there are a lot of limitations there around revenue, right? That may mean going to the General Assembly and talking about a capital city multiplier. Yep. Um, like, we have to find innovative ways to um, to really help the city help itself. Yeah, to, bo- to boost our, our contribution that's alongside the LCI because we do. We lose a lot of revenue by being the capital city and having so many tax exempt properties in the city with the colleges and um, federal buildings mm-hmm, the capital hospitals buildings, yeah, yeah. Um, that are a large footprint the general assembly building right yeah you know a lot of the prime real estate is tax exempt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so we lose that revenue and we <laughs> poor richmond with our shiny ass projects never really make up the difference <laughs> <laughs> in projects and so you know it, we we'll get there one day i guess there's still a lot there's a long ways to go in terms of trying to create alternative funding and maybe you know i feel it's coming five years we hopefully will decriminalize marijuana and we'll have the legalization of cannabis you know we'll be somewhere but we'll see we can't make that our panacea either Mm-mm. um Mm-mm. like yes that would definitely 
there are definitely some benefits in having that additional revenue, but we, we also have to be very strategic because in California, they were talking about since they've legalized cannabis and now there's this fine line between like we're accepting this money, but now they are marketing to mm-hmm. in, in some ways they feel like they're marketing to underage kids. And so Yikes. I think we have to be very deliberate about this process. Right. Like, yeah. And so as someone who grew up in, you know, low income housing community and saw people that cut my hair, rode the bus with, played basketball with, go away for what we call football numbers, especially after George Allen became governor mm-hmm. and we ended parole in Virginia. But people not to go off on a tangent here, but <laughs> if you committed murder in Prince Edward County, mm. You were sentenced to seven years. But if you sold drugs, you were sentenced to 22 years, 17 years, 19 years. That's triple. Right. And so when we're looking at the legalization, it's also important to look at the decriminalization as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of us that are in for this private enterprise (laughs) that now you will legalize and make potentially a lot of money off of and you've been criminalizing us all the time that's a whole nother show i swear yeah and I, i'm not i'm not the resident expert to rva dirt or <laughs> cannabis uh i think the good folks at race capital yeah. um, and marijuana justice yeah we had that show yeah we did okay we had that show a couple okay. weeks ago but yeah you know it's um go find it on our soundcloud there you go plug plug but, you know, it's it's one of those things I think we just have to be a lot more open and creative. That's one another thing we struggle with in Richmond is being open to alternative anything. If it's not like it's been done before, we, we get nervous, we scramble, we get upset. So we've got to be open to some new things. And we've also got to lift up the people that we have in the community that are doing things. We've got quite a few, not necessarily in zero to five, but there are lots of different organizations that are but there are a lot of organizations zero to five in this out of school time space that they're doing the work there are a lot of funders who are driving the grants to get them there right and who are contributing large sums of money and like trying to fill that void that's left by the city right now because the city economically just can't can't do it they aren't in a place where they can invest more so into Mm -hmm. into early childhood education and so I don't want to personally, I don't want to get into this thing of like shouting out organizations because I I know I'm going to forget someone. But no blanket statement. We're happy for everybody that's doing work, regardless of the age group that you target, because it's absolutely important. We need more after school programs. We need more enrichment enrichment. I mean, you know, Dominion and Altria and now we have new Rosie's on Southside are always looking for ways to contribute back to the community. And they're always looking for big spaces and big gaps that they can fill. That's a perfect opportunity. We need money to be funneled into early childhood education and after school programs. You want to put some, some, <laughs> some sweat equity and some, some guilt money back into the community <laughs> that you suck money out of? Build us some, uh, an after school division. Give, give the kids a, an after school program. Takeen looks so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> but I ain't uncomfortable at all. Shout them out. Dominion, y'all want to fix something? Altria, you want to put some money, some good money where your mouth is? And y'all already, Altria's already get, is already getting ready for the legalization of marijuana. Like, they are ready. They're ready. 
Okay, well, let's slide some of that over here to the school system. Rosie's contributed half a million dollars to one school in Southside. So, I mean, spread some more out. Y'all got plenty. Y'all made 70 some million dollars the first month y'all opened. In a month, mm. slide some. Slide some over to the school. But anyway, that's my little plug for Help the Community with your big corporation dollars. And we'll get on that. That'll be another show, too. <laughs> your face. You can breathe, Takina. It's okay. <laughs> this is what the dirt does. The dirt puts the dirt out there. Sorry. I need to do it. <laughs> your face. Takina's like, help. <laughs> The last time I was up here, the menu came up. I got. <laughs> oh, I know. You good. You so good. I was just like, yo. Uh, you good. You good. <laughs> but yeah, like we need it. Like Dominion, we need those. We need those big corporations to put the money up, and and they do. A lot of a lot of them have offered lots of scholarships and grants and different things to help programs in the community, and it's great. But it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Give us some more. You know, we're always looking for better ways to support people. We have lots of good programs that are out there. And we also have to think about in any of these conversations when we're talking about where the need is and where the gap is, we always talk about a generalized, we need, you know, money for early childhood education. That helps every child that meets that criteria, right? But we also have large spaces and, and groups of kids that, you know, are, are in an underserved demographic too, in basic K through 12 that also don't get the level of support and wraparound services and, and things that they need, not only from RPS, but also from the community. So there's lots of organizations that do that as well with after school programs. I'm thinking of one that I spoke at last year, Girls for Change. Have a meeting with them coming up, actually. Yep. Giving girls opportunity to learn different things, talk about different things after school, team building, confidence building. It's really awesome. One of my buddies does next next move program and helps with children that's really specializing in kids with autism. But I mean, does not just job placement, but legit career building for what is a very underserved group demographic in our school and our kids. You know, they leave. You know, if they make it all the way through, you know, they leave RPS, and then what happens? So that's another part of wraparound services for underserved groups and demographics in Richmond, for ki- especially our kids. Like they need career services and they need job fairs. We had two last week and I peeped my head in and I was like, nobody wants a job because ain't nobody in here. It's empty. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just there's such a great area and it's hard to do everything right because we have <laughs> ample ways to F up money. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. What I've noticed, I think we, and I'm using air quotes around this, I think mm-hmm. we do community engagement completely wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we can't just continue to just send emails and post things on Facebook groups mm-hmm. and expect to actually reach folks. Like, right. we're going to have to sometimes hire community organizers to help get the word out we're gonna Mm -hmm. have to post flyers we're gonna have to send text messages like knock doors we're gonna have to knock doors like literally we have have to go into campaign mode to get folks mobilized and uh so you know like knocking on doors not even just mobilized but also just make sure that people are aware right that this is a service that's available to you to apply to your child can do this send us an application people there are programs in richmond that people have no idea about partnership for the future is another one i know you hear all the time like i have no idea what you're talking about what do you mean that's available to me yeah i used to i used to work for partnership for the future and that's a great program that helps with long-term paid internships career building 
skill building and also funding and college placement. There's so many people that have no idea what that is. And by the time you find out you're a junior or senior in, in high school and other people have been in the program for four years. It's it's about access to and, and awareness. And so that's when campaign mode kicks in. Because if people don't know that it's available to them, can't be, it's not beneficial to them. Right. Initial statement. <laughs> well, I was rudely interrupted. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh. <laughs> so, no, um, about doing community engagement, like, I think that when we, we have to find innovative ways to really uh, not talk at people but talk with them right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we can't just say i'm going to save you using this process people check nonprofit advocacy people support what they help build we want them to be part of this process Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that we're doing in organizations that i'm involved in that's something I think we're making a conscious effort doing better at. So like, for example, legislative agendas, we aren't setting those agendas. We're allowing the participants to set that agenda. Mm. And I think that, you know, this inclusive perspective is how we can really change things, not only in the city, but in the Commonwealth. Yeah, it's necessary. We get that all the time. You have especially these white nonprofits that come into black neighborhoods and they tell you, we got a grant. As a matter of fact, Deron and I were talking about one on Twitter not too long ago, and it was a, a grant program that was helping minority business owners open, you know, entrepreneurs open businesses. But they had limitations to what they could help you do. And they had, you know, all the people, and you had people on the board that were on the funding committee. It was all kinds of just nonsense. And it's like, people get tired of you coming into their community, telling them what they need and how you, who is not even in their community, can fix their problem. Mm. Expert ability. <laughs> and it's like, well, if you could fix it so well, where the hell your ass been <laughs> for all this damn time? And are you going to be here when that damn grant money dries up? That's another issue. I think, I don't know, I don't know if, if nonprofits are even ready to, to go to that step yet. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good ones out there too, but you also have a lot of jackass ones that are out here. Basically, talk like you said, talking at people and telling people how to fix their own problems, but not listening to the people and not involving the people in the process. And that's, it's so important, not only for equity, but also for involvement and buy-in. Like you said, people respect, they support, and they will also just really appreciate more when they have a vested interest in it and it's not just something that's being thrown at them they've been a part of the planning process so what are your solutions rba dirt well you know for one is to listen to the people we can't just keep we can't just keep going to people saying we're listening like action steps but you but the action steps before you perform any actions if you don't know what the people need and what the people want that's that's the first problem big facts you know people will say Oh, like what was our our friend from last week, last council? And she stood up and she said, my dad, my grandfather owned farms and slaves. And And if you give them swimming lessons, that's what they need. And welding jobs. Yeah. They're not going to sell the drugs anymore. She said, wait a minute. She said, let me, let me give you the Do I need to like put the, insert the quote? Yeah, insert the quote. Madam Clerk, next speaker. The next speaker is Elizabeth Ellis. Hey, um, my granddad, George Yardley, started this country with the House of Burgesses. We still have a lot of we still have farms and we had slaves. So I thought, what can I do 
but I didn't know. So I went into Gilpin, I went into Mosby. I met so many wonderful people in dire need of overall education, knowing how to swim, participating in a swim team. Why don't they know where the VMFA is? I'm also a volunteer. We can do this. There doesn't have to be poor people in Richmond. I went to the Gates Foundation, and there's a good chance they'd build y'all a trade school. I have this piece of paper for y'all. If you have any questions, I have about a two-hour lecture on what your job is. I don't want to see any more of these children in poverty or going to jail or having children they can't take care of. The upper middle class does not want to pay taxes for children. They need to understand ethics, the ethics of having a family. And I've met many that are drug dealers, and one said, I'd love to be a welder. This is for y'all to look at. And it's a plan, and it would work. And we would not have the big drug problem. People would buy houses, they'd pay taxes as RNs. The state and the city can't do it. This has got to be private donations like Coca-Cola. And it applies all over this country. Thank you very much. right in the middle of another fascinating episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Okay, and y'all. so they need y- to y'all understand. Y'all are triggering me right now. Be <laughs> triggered. Be triggered. Right? That legit. Coca Cola's gonna say Coca. Where the hell's Coca Cola been? I Dominion. Y'all. No, where's Coca Cola's fixing shit? And y'all ain't fixing nothing. What's up? This is this is how this is that lady was the epitome of white. Exactly what black people woke black people. I'll say that feel when white nonprofits come into their neighborhoods with these solutions, and they're based off of. A lot of these notions of, you know, you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you just need to learn how to swim. And, and you ain't got no boots. And right? you ain't even got right, no I was boots. Like, where are the straps if you, you don't got, have boots? You ain't, you ain't got no pool. Right? You ain't got no pool yet. Like, it's, I'm going to learn how to swim, but y'all barred us from your fucking <laughs> swimming pools for decades. You know, so it's like. Talk about it. You poured bleach into the pool if we got into the pool, but now you want me to learn how to swim and that's going to solve my life. And even going to the VMFA is going to help me understand you know something different than i mean i mean i don't disagree on the need for access and exposure it is but if you want to talk about that like she's she's like why don't they know where it is well then let's talk about the bus routes do they have a direct bus route to do they have viable public transportation from their their location to all these things that you're talking about where is the closest pool ma'am last council she showed up last year and she said She'd teach him how to swim and she'd buy the goggles with her own money if y'all would just give her a pool to teach him in. Mm. Yeah. Just give me a pool. Just give me a pool. And so it's like you're this is how you're solving this problem, right? You're solving these kids' problems with So we just need a pool, right? We just need a pool. That would solve it. That's all you need. That would teach kids how to read before the third grade and they'd have a much stronger (laughs) situation. They'd have a much stronger base on their education. And their their likelihood of graduation. 
clearly this is not the solution. I well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, think about how preposterous that is. If kids just knew how to swim, ludicrous. Luda. If they learned how to swim, that would heighten their, you know, or increase their likelihood of of graduation and matriculation into the workforce in the in their surrounding community. All they need to know how to do is do the breaststroke. All right. Because you know. Swimming cancels out drug dealing. And well, and or trade school. And it's like, let's talk about why trade schools can't. I mean, that's that's a whole nother T. But it's like, you know, white people, like well-meaning white people and nonprofits, like trade schools won't solve everything. You've done enough to isolate black and brown people in service related jobs anyway. So, you know, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, you're not going to solve our issues with trade school. We appreciate you th- tossing that bone. That's cute. But that's not the solution to everything. Teaching us a trade is not going to fix it all. You know, because we mastered the f- trades on the plantation. We did pretty good with that. And then we got set free and you turned us loose and we have nowhere to go. And we be- did the backstroke through that <laughs> and made it. And then you were like, no, nah, let's give you syphilis and see what happens. And not tell you. I mean, it's like you just keep putting <laughs> in front of us. That's supposed to hinder, you know, a homegirl. She this week, uh, she testified in front of Congress. Candace Owens. Oh, the main black. Be, the main be, be, issue. Be careful how you use homegirl. Oh, yeah. No, she ain't my homegirl. That's y'all's folk. She ain't my homegirl. But, you know, she testifies. <laughs> she testifies in front of Congress and, and her. Her issue is, you know, black people are not worried about white supremacy. That is so far down on our priority list that actually we're worried about. And then she does all of the dog whistles. (laughs) The conservative talking points of we need to talk about absent fathers. And well, how did fathers get absent? Let's talk. Who y'all brought us here and took the fathers away. You sold our kids on the chopping block. You sold our fathers and our mothers and our sisters and our brothers and everyone. You created this model, and that's the way you intended it. And then after you made us, gave us us free, you, we had the war on drugs. And you locked half of our asses up for <laughs> that white people barely get any time for. After giving everybody crack. I'm d- girl. And it's like, okay, well, y'all, I mean. I mean. <laughs> but, but it was black on black crime. Mm. It's black on black crime, and it's like okay, all right. Uh, anyway, that's let's but, get off. But it's it's white boys blowing everybody away. I mean, <sighs> that's a whole other soapbox for another day. But you know, again, <laughs> access, we always end up with those that were like, Ugh. so I'm gonna put a pin in that. Gosh, <laughs> I, I'm and we're gonna you, bitch about it another day. We could go a whole hour on just that, but I mean, it's yeah. I, I mean, I've had some interesting comment uh conversations in regards to candace owens's comments uh, at the bet summit um, yeah no we're good yeah Mm-mm. no we're you good know. y'all can have her um y'all y'all still we're not trading y'all space though so that you can come to the cookout because we all been giving those away too slack lately but y'all can totally have her we will definitely trade her in the race trade y'all can have her i just want to be very clear that Takeen did not authorize that comment at all well i did Y'all can have her. <laughs> Y'all can have her. We don't want her. We're good. I'm not complicit. <laughs> the in views this. of Francesca do not review the <laughs> do not reflect the views of our guests. Yeah, that's all right. You can have her ass. We're good. But you know, it's just like there's just so many. I don't know. There's it's so many stumbling blocks as to why we got here, and y'all are not wanting to address how we got here. But we want to fix it with. It's basically fixing 
band-aids my friend Deron has the perfect analogy and he said somebody shared it with him and he shared it with me a couple times and i love it the nonprofit sector it's like somebody's up the river throwing babies in the river and the nonprofit comes in and just pulls the baby out of the river and we're like we we we, we helped y'all. Y'all are straight. There's no more babies drowning in the river. But who the hell is going to the top of the river to get the motherfucker um. that's throwing the babies in the river? We never get that person. We just like to pull the babies out of the river. I'm just saying. Leaving them on the side. Of the yeah, river. we just, that, but that's, that's the analogy that, he, that's legit the analogy he uses, and it makes perfect damn <laughs> sense. It's like we never go yeah, talk I, about who's I, throwing the babies in. I mean, I understand the premise behind the analogy that you're using, right? That's we're like, talking about babies. Like, like we can't always be reactive. Like we have to be proactive, right? Yeah. Prevention is mm-hmm. is always cheaper than intervention. However, I'm not a fan of the analogy about oh, the babies. That's okay. Per se. Like, why are you okay. throwing babies in there? Well, that's what we're trying <laughs> why to find you have out. To go after the children. But that's what we're trying to find out. But it's the white people that's saving the babies, though. They pulling them out the river. But they not stopping the person who's throwing them in. Are they teaching them to swim? That's the problem. And that's where that's where the girl from council comes in. She's like, if we just taught them how to swim, they wouldn't have to be pulled out. They could swim to shore. Full circle on y'all. There you go. Mm-hmm. What is this episode? <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. My mind is blown. <laughs> I'm speechless. And, and y'all know I'm never speechless. <laughs> Ever, ever. It's ridiculous, but, you know, it's it's kind of wild to me. But anyway, you know, we need more funding. We need a lot more accountability on these issues in these areas. But most of all, we just have to stop being so afraid. Who's scared? As a community, <laughs> one, as a community to ask for the things and demand for the things, not just ask, but demand the things that we need, but also put power behind it because... We have to be able to organize well, and we have to be able to do it. Now, this this a whole nother show. We have to be able to do it without fighting each other. Thank you. All that clout chasing. Yeah. Put it down. Let's not fighting each other. Yeah. Let's stop looking for credit everywhere. And let's yeah. work together because there's a lot of folks out there with different organizations doing the same thing. Oh. Yeah, and we well, need y'all to... come to my TED talk on Wednesday. <laughs> well, I'll be there because you know it's true though. Like we we would get a lot more done. You know what they what's the old what's the old country analogy? You get more flies with sugar than you get with vinegar. You do. Like we don't have to be. This. Don't be looking at me like that, talking. You know damn well that's the that's the saying. You are a country as a sugar sandwich. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a syrup sandwich. <laughs> it's a syrup sandwich. You probably you probably put Duke's mayo and bananas and sprinkle a little sugar on there. And no, eat it. I eat black people don't eat mayonnaise like that. We ain't doing that. But I I have made a good molasses sandwich on a on a cold day. I have. Excuse me? Yeah, molasses sandwich from between some Wonder Bread. Really? Cairo molasses? No, I'll pass. That's because you're not country for real, but that's okay. We're not going to judge you. I mean, I would try it. It's good. So you have to realize that <laughs> I have a unique perspective on country living, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I lived in the town. Okay. So and I was proud of it. Mm-hmm. So my father y'all, lived, y'all townies always proud of it. But you, my townies. father my father lived in the county, so like, you know, we had a will and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the best water out there. We had Southside Electric was was my father's um mm-hmm. supplier. Electric supplier mm-hmm. and his power always went off like mm-hmm. <laughs> but at my house we had dominion we had underground well there it was mm-hmm. they were epco 
It was, I was going to say it was Vepco. Oh, yes. Yeah. My dad always called them Vepcon. Vepcon. Vepco and Virginia Power. Virginia Power then went to Dominion. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I get both sides, but no, nah, I've never. Molasses sandwich, no. Whatever. You hating. It's going to save the world. Exactly. Well, I mean, you have to realize I eat like a millennial, right? Goodbye. <laughs> like, Goodbye with your charcoal bread. Goodbye. An impossible See, burger. That's impossible <laughs> burger. Oh, gross. Uh, <laughs> Goodbye. But, that's what we're missing here, though, is our molasses sandwich. What is our <laughs> what is our molasses sandwich, our silver bullet? It is. It's, 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 What's the thing that's going to make everything better? I don't know. I mean, so, the molasses. I, I don't think there is just one thing, right? It's not. It's a combination of both. Like, And it, it's not always one solution at one time. Like, when you ate the molasses sandwich, it was nothing else in the refrigerator for you to eat, or you just really wanted something that you know you had no business eating. And so that filled your belly at the moment but that next time it might not be no molasses left it might have to be something else and so it, i don't think there's any one solution or any one molasses sandwich i'm loving today's this. metaphors i'm just saying i'm killing them right now I'm killing them but you know it's not it's not going to be any one thing it's going to be a multitude of things working simultaneously right yeah yeah a multitude of things that you know, we have to do simultaneously. We have to do together. And because the the sad part of the nature is the fact that RPS has been, and not just RPS, but our public schools in general across the country have been so historically defunded and underfunded that if we if we take that for granted and focus on one thing at a time, we'll never make the progress that we really need to make to get these kids to where they need to go. Because we can't afford to, y'all didn't defund one thing at a time. You know, you defunded across the board, you know, all together. And so it's got to be a, a it's got to be a, a multitude of, of things. Yeah, I think we kind of have to have that Sputnik moment. Right. Mm. So prior to, to the Russians successfully launching that satellite in America, we were so focused on who we were educating. Mm hmm. If we're going to educate black kids, mm -hmm. if we're going to educate differently able kids. But then it was like us versus the Russians. So mm -hmm. we stopped focusing on not as much on who we were educating as much as what we were educating them. And so I think that moment, that critical juncture really made America uh, like we start focusing on science and math. And that really positioned us as a superpower in the world. Mm. And I think that. Over the years, we've kind of gotten away from that. And now we're back focusing on who we're educating. Yeah. And so Richmond is a perfect example of that right now. With the rezoning discussion, we're talking about, well, I don't want my kids to go to that school hmm. or, you know, I'm being this is reverse racism all over oh, again Jesus Christ. or I'm going to send my kids to private school. Like, you know, so we're, we're using I know that some a number of people disagreed with him, but you know I've been looking at you know I'm from Prince Edward County, so I've been looking at some of those old newspaper articles mm -hmm. and comparing them to some of the comments that are being used in regards to rezoning and they real in 2019 mm -hmm. here in Richmond. Mm -hmm. And as Superintendent Cameron said, eerily similar to massive resistance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, once again, we're instead of focusing on what we're educating our kids and how we're going to educate them, we're focusing again on who. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're doing that, we're behind the eight ball. Always. And mm -hmm. so to answer your question, I agree with with the 
the lady from the super rural county in here in Virginia. <laughs> Stop it. It's not a monolithic approach. And no. it's not going to be a one person or one solution fits all. Like, Facts. we need all hands on deck. And we're going to need um, innovative streams of revenue. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that means we're going to cut. I don't know if that means we are... Um, we can't afford to cut. I don't know if that means we're going to tax. Yeah. I don't know if that means that we're going to get extremely lucky at the General Assembly. I don't know if that means a big, shiny project. I don't know if that means we're going to sell some um, we're going to sell some property in right. the city. But I, it's going to be have, we're going to have to have a collective conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, it might need to be several of those things at once. Right. And we're going to need some people that's going to march from Monroe Park mm-hmm. to Capitol Square. Mm-hmm. We're going to need some people that also will go inside right now the Pocahontas building mm-hmm. and lobby. Mm-hmm. We're going to need some people that will be sending emails, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the interesting thing is like what your listeners can ask themselves is what can I do? Like, yep. What skills do I bring to the table? And then build a coalition of people Mm-hmm. and get to work like we, we can't just keep talking about this on social media nope. and being excited and having these cute community meetings mm-hmm. and um you know the richmond way having some beer there yep and just you know feeling good about ourselves after the fact and taking <laughs> selfies and posting we it we talked about it mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. talked about it so we had a conversation see yeah, we had the conversation, conversation but it didn't you know tumble into action sure nope um, nope. So so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think now is the time we're going into 2020, which oh, so fast, um, so fast, so fast, right? But there, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, mm-hmm. and with Virginia being a battleground state, a lot of people will be coming through Virginia, and so I think, hey, there'll be some federal options as well. Like we need to have all hands on deck, and Richmond is uniquely positioned in a way to be a benefactor of a number of different programs. But we we have to be able to accept them and not keep fighting everything with skepticism all the time. So, you know, my favorite thing right now is, and I'll be talking about this in my TED Talk. Okay. That at this juncture in Richmond, like no matter what you talk about, is hashtag but the Coliseum. Yep. Right. And, hey, <laughs> we definitely need to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything isn't all around the Coliseum. Like if the Coliseum comes, it won't be a so it won't be a, a like the only solution. Right. Um, and if it doesn't come, we still have work to do. Yeah. And so hashtag but the Coliseum, like <laughs> I, I definitely respect and understand people having their concerns. Yeah. But the issues in this city go well beyond that project and what it will or won't do. Yeah, because, I mean, these are these are problems that, you know, we've had all the time, long before Coliseum came up. Oh, um, you all had problems in Richmond before 2016? Yeah. My lands. Who would have thought? <laughs> Where the hell y'all been? You don't say. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought? Like, <laughs> But we do, and it's... It's hard. I think people get very, very wrapped up in the moment. Like, I mean, and we're, Dirt's going to do a show on Navy Hill and we'll talk about the pros and cons and all that stuff. But, you know, people, whether it's this program or project or something else, you know, we've got to generate money from somewhere. 
to fund some of these things. And if it's not going to come from projects that may or may not be successful, whatever, it's got to come from somewhere. And we've got to be at the table asking, demanding for it. Let's get creative, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it might mean that, I mean, the mills tax, I, people groaned, moaned, and complained so bad. But we got three schools. Not one, not two, but three. Not the five that we wanted, but we got it. Yeah. It's a start in the right direction. Yeah, we got it. Hey, I ate out today. Yeah, I did th- like three times yesterday. Yeah. I always try to eat out in the city. Mm-hmm. Always. You know, let's build some new schools, y'all. Mm-hmm. Let's be intentional. And also try to focus on black restaurants, but, you know, another plug. Plug. So, and while we're on funding and we're talking about money, and we'll go ahead and talk about because it it's on everybody's mind. You know, recently we had the inspector general do a investigation into wasteful spending in the city, and he, he focused directly on an incident that was, I guess, brought to light about a month or two ago. The CAO of Richmond, Miss Selena Cuffey Glenn, hired her daughter. Or she didn't directly hire her, which that was debated at the time as well when it came out. But she was hired by the city um, as a contractor and was paid more than both of the people that were let go from the same job. And everybody lost their collective shits. And imagine what people said this past week when (laughs) this report came out. And basically they found the entire... I mean, it was like whole ass family. <laughs> it was a family reunion. <laughs> I think it was six Glenn. total. Yeah, it was like her daughter, her husband, some cousins, some cousins her nieces, her nieces and ne- slash nephews, and then like one of their husbands too. Great aunt, four times removed. God dang, Selena, what are you doing? So you know, nepotism is an issue, and while we're talking about funding and doing the best, you know, finding more funding for our people, I think that's one of the reasons why Richmond is so skeptical of so many things is because we suffer from nepotism and we suffer from wasteful spending and it's our hamster wheel. Like this is. is what we do all the time. It is, and this so is what we do over and over again. You know, we've got to also, and so this works perfectly into the conversation. We've got to work on wasteful spending and things that we know, and not saying that those jobs that need to be filled or that her family members didn't need a job, but this probably wasn't the best. This wasn't the job for them. I mean, this won't the look boo. Let's hire maybe somebody else that's qualified in Richmond. Oh, it just just wanted to look. This wanted to look. No, it's not. It wanted to look. Especially in the position that you're in, like, that's, that was bold as hell. But all right. Yeah, you know. the optics of it definitely it interesting. And yeah. if I were in that position, uh oh. <laughs> and I knew that this was coming out, I probably would have stepped down, like, as soon as the inspector general started. Started, started sniffing around, yeah, instead of hanging out and waiting. Well, it all just, the dirty laundry. It, but it also, I mean, that's a different level of. Attitude and personality too, you know. Arrogance. <laughs> so, <laughs> the question I have now is: so I don't know Miss Cuffy Glenn. Like I've seen her, mm-hmm. I've been kind of observing her work for a number of years. But mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, like, what does that mean for projects that the city is currently working on? Because mm-hmm. what I've been told from the street, street committee. 
Street Committee Radio. So yeah, I didn't get to mention that during my intro earlier. Right, right. Um, I'm I'm a proud member of the Street Committee. Oh. And so what I've been told from the Street Committee is that Miss Cuffy Glenn was an extremely shrewd negotiator. And so who's well, we go- see? Who- she got six of her family members hired by the city. <laughs> we see that. <laughs> and so you know what does that mean for? The Navy Hill project right. and for any other project, like, will this halt or slow down any other progress right now? Well. Oh, excuse you. Sorry. Stop, girl. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Hmm. <laughs> it's that time. It's, you know, it's after it eight. So Granny it over here is Exactly. Like, it's my bedtime. bedtime. My alarm's going to go off in a minute uh, at 8.30 um, <laughs> to go to bed. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. To my understanding right now, in terms of the Navy Hill project, especially, you know, the part where she was involved with the negotiations that I understand, as far as I understand, is that that piece of it has already been completed. And now it's more or less on council council. Yeah. To now take what's been put on the table from you that was negotiated through, you know, Selena with the mayor's office and back and forth between the Navy Hill um, Corp and everything. That deal now is on the table for council to either pass, further negotiate, or fail. And so, you know, maybe that won't necessarily hurt the project, but, you know, maybe in terms of explaining why certain things were the way that they were in the proposed project, that may be lost because she's gone, you know? And we're not going to get that good shade from Reva anymore. (laughs) She did like to throw some barbs at Selena. She did, but it's okay. It's over. But, you know... All of this ties into, you know, things that we got to change in Richmond. You know, we can't be skeptical, but we also can't be out here hiring the whole family, though. Like, <laughs> we got to get <laughs> we gotta get it together. So there's so many things we need to do, and we're getting there. It's just going to take a lot more work and a lot more dedication and teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. So corny and cliche. But facts, though. But anyway, since you're throwing shade, we appreciate you coming on our show today. Thank you so much this for being here. This has been healed. fun. Thanks, Mr. Cooper. No, it's Mr. Six One. Yeah. Put some respect on my name. Goodbye. I can't. <laughs> we thank y'all listeners for tuning in for another episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Heard here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. You can hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt if you want to continue this conversation or start another. As always, <laughs> RPS is fully funded this year, and that's what we're talking about. We need True. to start working on it this year. Hello. First time ever. <laughs> First time ever, yes. That's big. That's big. Flint still has dirty water, and now so does New Jersey, so we need to work on that. And Richmond is still racist, but we're working on it. Talk to you next week.